Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Hey there, welcome to The Less Stress Life, where I help women and families overcome fatigue, food sensitivities, and inflammation. And the goal here is really to help you heal yourself. So if you find this show or episode helpful, please repay the favor and share it with a friend or leave me a review on the Purple Podcast app if that's where you listen. I'm your host, Krista Bigler, integrative dietitian, nutritionist, and lover of all kinds of foods and my chickens. So not very long ago, I did a Q&A session for practitioners, and the most commonly asked version of the question that was that I received the most was some version of, how do you really get started, or how do you start helping people, or how do you develop a care plan when there's a lot of different things going on, or essentially... Anyone could ask this question, where do you start if you're trying to heal? And so I thought I would take this episode and kind of go through the framework that I use and how that has evolved over time. And I hope you find it really helpful. So first of all, there is a well-known framework for healing, and I'm going to get into that. And then there are adaptations to that framework that I've made on my own. So I'm going to get into that. Um, so we're going to talk about the 4R process, and then we're going to talk about the AWE process. And then we're going to talk about how that results in changes in gut health and food sensitivities and energy and whatnot. But first, I want to kind of tell you where some of this came from. So once upon a time, a very, very long time ago, maybe 2010, which doesn't feel very long ago, and then you realize it was 12 years ago, I had a mentor and a spiritual mentor, and I remember him saying that there's really only two emotions, fear and happiness. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've heard me say that. I feel like it's a a broken record statement I have. There's fear and happiness. But sometime pre-COVID, maybe it was 2018 or so, maybe it was 2019, I remember going to Dutch Fest, the dried urinary test for comprehensive hormones, they put on a conference, one-time thing, never did it again. It was probably, I don't know, it was was probably 2018 because they were going to skip a year and then the world fell apart. Anyway, so I went with a few friends. I remember Robin Johnson was there and Dr. Lee Wagner, and we were walking along the boardwalk and I don't know what we were talking about, but I do remember having this conversation about fear versus happiness. And I, this in my brain, do you ever have those thoughts where this is how I remember it? So I'm going to give Dr. Lee Wagner, who is an old friend of mine, credit for this. She said, yeah, but I think there's another emotion 
uh, main key one, and that's awe. And that really struck me. I was very taken by that thought process. I'll come back to that later. So when I started my practice in about 2015-ish, I'd been working in conventional medicine and different contract jobs since about 2010. That was really when my career pretty much started. So I worked in school nutrition, I worked in dialysis, which is really intensive lab-based medicine. And you have a, you know, it doesn't sound that fun, but you do get to have like an ongoing relationship with clients, really get to read labs very well. And in 2015-ish, I had someone I had bought, I'd, you know, discontent is kind of how we change. <laughs> and so when you're working in, in conventional care and you have limited ability and people don't get better, it's, you know, you get kind of sick of that. So I remember there was essentially, the short version is that there was basically a knock on the door. Someone had emailed me, I'd bought this training, whatever. And she said that this person in my state was looking for a dietitian to do blah, 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 like this food sensitivity uh, testing for his, I think it was for his RA. And I, th- I think that's that's what it was. Anyway, the rest is really history. I jumped in and worked with the training that I did have at that time. And I was a food-based person. So I was looking at food as medicine. And essentially, long story short, for the next few years, I was drinking from a fire hose, getting information from mentors, um, paying mentors to help me get to the next level, but really, really, really listening to how my clients improved based on the framework I had gotten from initial trainings. And until, and it worked beautifully for a while, until food wasn't enough anymore. Um, but before that, regardless, I want to share, if you haven't heard of the integrated process, you probably have, some other words it's known by are the four or five R process. So I'm going to give Dr. Jeffrey Bland, who is really not, he's actually not not a very old man. So I i believe he's the, fa- the kind of father of the integrated process of the four or five R um, protocol. He's certainly credited for it. And I'm going to give him credit for that today. I'm actually going to see Dr. Bland. He's doing a, he's, he and uh, Microbiome Labs are doing a co-conference in Denver next month in September. So if you're going to that, please let me know. I just registered for it today. So anyways, I'll see Dr. Jeffrey Bland at that time. But he coined this four or five R integrative process. And the steps to that process are remove, replace, repair, repopulate. So that can be the four steps. And then sometimes there's some other step that people add, rest, rebalance, reassess. I mean, insert whatever R word you want. So it just kind of depends on the person. The thing is, we can all use a same the same word and implement that a little bit differently. So for me, when I'm helping to implement this integrative process, let me elaborate on that just a little bit. So the remove phase, I think, should take two, three, maybe four months, and that's removing barriers to healing. Now, let me get clear. There are all kinds of symptoms, diagnoses, etc., that you can put through this lens. Food sensitivities, rashes, eczema, acne, fatigue, bloating, gas, burping, indigestion, reflux, constipation, sleep issues, brain fog, joint and muscle pain, sinus congestion, mouth ulcers, hormone issues, right? It's such a huge topic, but any diagnosis, any autoimmune diagnosis, etc. So remove the barrier to healing that's like really getting you stuck. So that might look like gut imbalances. It might look like toxic burden. So detoxification issues, like just you have a lot of 
burden that you're carrying around. Um, so clearing that, removing that, um, removing gut imbalances. Cause if you have gut imbalances, it impacts your enzyme production. And if enzyme production is affected, then digestion is affected. If digestion is affected, then food tolerance is affected. And now you have food sensitivities. Um, Stress, which is such a huge topic because if stress is not managed, I saw a really interesting um, post from Dr. Datis Karazian recently, and I'm going to ask him to come on the show and talk about this. And he talks about gluten sensitivity, I think 60% of it starting in the brain, which that's another story for another day, but your brain drives the majority of everything. Like it was the starting point of where things started to become inflamed. So stress is a thing. Stress, um, chronic stress depletes nutrients that affect fatigue. It suppresses those nutrients, affect digestion, detoxification, energy, hormone. I mean, it just touches everything. So I don't mean that like super lightly. Um, and I, there's certainly things we can do about it. Working on how we digest the stress. Because like, you can't necessarily, you can change the outside stressors, but we also change how you're processing it on the inside. So remove. Stress for me, um, gut imbalances to me, toxic burden to me, and then food issues. So that kind of just varies depending on the person, how we approach that. And then I'll come back to the evolution of this later. So that's the remove phase for me. Now, one thing that I think is really important is that the remove phase, some version of it, usually food-based, is published some version, again, is published everywhere. So sometimes people start to do the remove phase and in step one, you can feel good and it can be a good thing. And so because we're a society of like instant gratification, we're like, whoa, I feel really good in two weeks. That's exciting. But sometimes people just get stuck and remove and don't reintroduce. And some people restrict and restrict and restrict or remove and remove and remove of some sort and never really get past that point. And that's a huge, huge, huge problem. So remove, I think, should last three to four months if you're doing it right. Um, Maybe two at the minimum. That's kind of where I I start with the minimum and then go to the maximum if I need to. The next step is replace. And to me, replace means replacing enzymes, replacing nutrient deficiencies. So that can mean a lot of things. I don't necessarily use enzymes in practice um, because I think there's better ways to do that. But ultimately, you heard me say a minute ago, if you've got gut imbalances, which should be removed, that will influence down the line how enzymes work and if digestion and that affects food sensitivities overall. So making sure, and also when you've got gut, like just basic 101, if your gut's not quite working correctly, then you're not going to digest, absorb nutrients. And so you're going to be putting a lot of money in and not getting a lot out. You're not going to be getting an ROI or a return on investment from your healthy diet, from the things you're eating, etc. And so when you've got gut stuff going on or just some burden that's really, you know, it, it's usually going to start in the gut. That's where all of your nutrients are absorbed, right? So if you're not digesting, you cannot absorb them beautifully. So really replacing the holes that were created. So I would say like, if you're imagining a road, these are potholes. I call that kind of filling in those potholes. The next step is uh, repair and then repopulate. So I kind of grouped this into one as well. I think that this phase, and let me go back a step, replace to me. And I kind of came up with the timelines for this based on how long, like compiling experience over a 
an amount of time where, you know, working on nutrient repletion tends to take three to six months, you know? So that's where I came up with replacing this and, and re restarting or, or, um, kind of re-stimulating your own enzyme production can take three, six, nine, 12 months. And it's something you work on for a while, depending on what your stress is like and what the barriers are that are in the way. And I'd already mentioned that the remove phase, I think two months is a good amount of time. I don't mean that people have to make a crazy restrictive diet for two full months. I actually think three weeks on a dietary experiment is a good starting point. Personally, um, autoimmune's you know, autoimmune situations can, can have some nuance to that for sure. But I think three weeks is a good, good starting point. And then having an exit strategy or a reintroduction plan is important. So that's remove, that's replace, repair and repopulate. So to me, through the experience and what I've seen with clients and what I know about like the duration of tissue healing and all these things, repair and repopulate lasts two to four months after the remove process. And so that can look like um, that can look like filling in the gr- the grass if you're pulling weeds, you know, with with different um, things in the gut. Like if you're removing weeds in the first step, then you need to fill that back in. Otherwise, the weeds grow back. So this is a huge problem. Simple, easy to understand analogy would be um, that, you know, often with antibiotics, we're killing all grass and weeds. This is not the best analogy, but a little bit. And often, you know, weeds grow back when there's empty space. And so we just want to think about that can happen with with other natural things as well. And so we want to make sure we're filling in those gaps. So that's a little bit about repopulate. Um, That may be probiotics and maybe prebiotics and maybe something else. And the repair has to do with that tissue lining. So I think one fallacy is to believe that leaky gut is um, a root cause fully in itself. And and yeah, I mean, it's kind of an intermediary. It's kind of between a root cause and a secondary thing because usually leaky gut is caused or intestinal permeability is caused by stress, gut imbalances, et cetera. Or different, you know, there can be some food implications, et cetera. So to me, those are the root causes. And then the gut becomes permeable, but regardless, it needs to be fixed. The problem is, is that sometimes people just use things for repairing gut uh, gut lining, and they they aren't successful either. So there's multiple pieces and moving parts there. So replace, uh, I'm sorry, repair just means potentially repairing gut lining, soothing nutrients, etc. And you know, there's some wiggle room here, right? Like if someone's got a really burning esophagus, I'm going to add stuff like that um, right up front. But repair and repopulate, that is like if you break down muscle and rebuild it, like you're you're healing after that, right? Like healing takes some time after symptoms are gone technically. So I think that repair and repopulate, that should last for at least two to four months after the remove phase and can be repeated really at, at any time potentially. So that's the basic integrative process. So let me loop back. I think that that's really work. That's that's the work. So to me, I want to loop back to that conversation I was having on the boardwalk in 2018, 2019 at Dutch Fest, where we were talking about awe. And I think that we should be in awe of our bodies and how far they can take us, despite how, whether we intend to abuse them or not, with how much, um, how much distress they can handle. Because they really can handle a lot and it is amazing and I am in awe of it. And they can carry you far and they can, your body can rebuild and heal and these cells can heal. So I think it's kind of amazing. Um, so I really like to think about, about awe, 
But so I think the integrative process is the work, so the W and all. And later on in practice, after I started implementing the integrative process, I found that if people didn't really have awareness first, they couldn't really fix things. So how I was automatically um, cultivating awareness and practice was I was using this thing called a multiple symptom questionnaire or a symptom survey. You can Google that up if you want. And it's a lot of symptoms that are not diagnoses. And people don't even think about them, like itchy ears or stuffy nose or whatever. It's things people don't even always think about because it feels kind of normal if they've had this nagging, annoying symptom for a while. And this is, I like to stereotype men frequently uh, to their face all the time, that they are, I think, stereotypically a little less aware than women. And so that becomes a challenge because if you don't have awareness, you can't appreciate, fix something, or notice the subtleties of healing um, until like kind of the massive symptom is gone. I also think it's why we drive, you know, I think we keep healthcare and business. It's like, we don't, I just, I think our self-awareness is not as awesome as it could be. Now that said, I think there's a fine line because sometimes you can get kind of those orthorexic um, behaviors when you want to be like so healthy to where it's like that in itself is a stressor sometimes, but I digress. I don't think the podcast is for that today. (laughs) Um, Awareness in general, being aware that something is an issue is important. and so. I think also awareness has to do with maybe test results. So it's symptoms plus test results. To me, I think symptoms are equally as important, if not more important than test results, because test results vary. How practitioners implement test results vary dramatically. I'm seeing an unfortunate thing. Maybe it's another podcast, but I'm seeing an unfortunate situation right now where it feels that I see a lot of, so it used to be, that people came to a functional or integrative medicine practice when they felt like they weren't getting answers in a conventional practice or wanted to do a more root cause approach. And now I see more and more people that have seen other functional or integrative providers, quote unquote, I don't know anything about their background, et cetera. I have suspicions and and thoughts, but I see a lot of people kind of failing out of that or um, plateauing out of that or maybe getting worse. And then they kind of arrive at my doorstop. And I will just say, it's fine. I don't, I like pulling things apart and detectiving it and connecting the dots. Um, But it does take a little more work. I think that writing down, having a lot of self-awareness, writing down the timeline and what you did and what did or didn't work helps me sleuth that so much faster. So that's you talking to you. (laughs) Um, So awareness is both in testing and in symptoms. So for me, I've kind of adjusted my big overarching process to awe, A-W-E. I think if you don't have awareness first that comes from symptoms and testing, then you're not always going to be as successful when doing the work, which is the W. I think the work is the integrative process. It's that four R process. Remove, replace, repair, repopulate. And then lastly, what's the last one for me? Um, for me, I didn't really want people to rely on me forever. I've got friends that have had clients, the same clients for years and years and years, and that is fine. And I have a relationship with clients that I've had at the beginning of time. And later on, I, I sometimes people reach out to me and they say, I was your client from blah, 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 and blah, blah. I'm like, yes, I remember. <laughs> I remember everybody. Um, I think I remember everyone anyway. I have an unusual, <laughs> unusual um, filing system in my brain. I think I remember everyone pretty well. Um, 
I didn't want people to rely on me forever. Uh, I'm happy to share and educate and connect the dots and do deep dive detective work. And I am good at that as a practitioner. But ultimately, I want women to feel empowered to sit in the driver's seat of their own health. I don't want them to rely on me forever. I want them to be able to use a reproducible framework and kind of use it for another symptom, help their family, help themselves. Because as someone asked recently, she said, well, are we like, it was getting to the end of, of a, my program that we were working on together. And she said, well, are we just like good? Or can this happen again? I'm like, what got you here can get you here again. You know, our life has stuff and road bumps that happen. So not that I'm not available. I just want my clients to be able to answer their own questions by using a framework that makes sense and is reproducible. And yes, it has tons of nuance for different conditions. When someone books a call and they've got XYZ symptom, I'm probably going to have a little different input than if they've got XYZ diagnosis, right? It's just, there are nuances, but I love common denominators and there are so many common denominators in trying to help and heal. All right. So one other um, thought on this framework overall, and maybe this is another topic for another day, but I do think that I do want to mention that like the things that you remove at the beginning of the R's are majorly impact inflammation overall. So gut imbalances and stress chemistry, those provoke inflammation in the body and create immune system dysfunction with TH1 and TH2 immune messengers, which can look a little different. It can look like a person who never gets sick or it looks like someone who's got like a lot of of allergic type conditions. The other thing, I just want to mention this too, that I think is really kind of interesting is that you can get brain inflammation from regular inflammation and you can get autoimmunity from this whole systemic inflammation situation. But if you have a concussion history, you can also, that can also like drive so much because it's starting in the brain. So that concussion history be a good topic for a podcast is, is um, nutrition for concussion support. But I am so fascinated by people who have had concussions in high school and maybe they're in their early 20s and the cool stuff we can do, the stuff that they're reacting to and sensitive to and the cool stuff that we can do when affecting their immune system and, and calming it down. So when you've got that systemic inflammation, it causes those symptoms like bloating and inflammation or bloating bloating and fatigue and brain fog and cravings and sleep issues, et cetera. And ultimately the outcomes look like being sensitive to food or having symptoms and nutrient deficiencies. I think so many symptoms are nutrient deficiencies as well. So I hope that helps answer the question, you know, how do you get started? Where do you go? This is kind of how I have laid it out. The awe process, awareness through testing and symptoms Lots of tests, lots of, cause you can kind of categorize symptoms as well for like what's going on with the liver, what's going on with the gut, et cetera. And then doing the work through the integrative process using the results of those symptom questionnaires and testing to implement. And then at the end, the goal is really empowerment, which doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> I am a generally fairly impatient person. So I, my protocols and plans usually are like fairly efficient and expedient (laughs) and I would say aggressive, um, but not everyone can handle that. And so sometimes you have to slow things down and meet people where they are. So I think if you're doing things in the right way, you can have great success in as little as one month and you have even better success in a few months and a handful of months. But the things that got you started on healing, you should expect to like continue those positive habits, six, nine, 12 months, and kind of be reassessing throughout that year. Well, 
that's it for me today. Right now, enrollment is open for my program, Food Sensitivity Solutions and the Fatigue Fix. This is a four-month program that includes the uh, framework that I just shared with you right now. It includes one-on-one, optional weekly access to me, testing, both a stool test and mineral test, um, trainings for that empowerment piece, because I want you to learn the 101 before we get to one-on-ones the 101, the basics, like here's basically what's going on in a stool test. And then that way, when you get to that one-on-one, you just understand it better. You can ask higher level questions and then ultimately you can get more out of it by having then a couple of touch points even before you get to your 101. So I have kind of changed how I work with clients just from a stress and client management perspective and, and wanting to do more things in life, but also feeling really called to this work. And so we kind of open and close enrollment. And so in August right now, we're enrolling to start in mid-September. And so, you know, back to school rush will be over, I think, by then. But the point is, is that to get started on September 15th, you have to enroll by August 31st, just because we need to ship out tests, get those going. So that way you can kind of hit the ground running and not be waiting around for test results. The next time that'll be open, that I'll be open for enrollment for this one-on-one program is... Uh, in October to get started on November 1st. So if that's something that's interesting to you, jump over to kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, or if you just go to kristabigler.com, you'll find it. Have a great day and I will see you next week. Next week, I am talking to Jillian Greaves and we are talking about adrenal PCOS or hypothalamic amenorrhea, um, how to DIY PCOS, food recommendations and testing for PCOS. So if that sounds good to you, come on back for that and share it with a friend. Access to functional or specialized medicine testing and standard blood work is a big piece of personalizing care plans to help our clients succeed. But getting accounts with multiple labs and ordering and tracking results from many different web portals slows efficiency by bogging us down in admin work. This is why I'm completely obsessed with our podcast sponsor, Rupa Health. It's a single portal that allows you to order from over 20 specialty labs in one incredibly simple dashboard. I'm talking less than 30 seconds to set up your free account and about 30 seconds to order the labs you need. All the results are in one place and I can securely send clients their results with the click of a button. A big advantage for our clients is that standard blood work can be ordered for almost two thirds less than other direct to consumer lab sites. Rupa is a lab concierge, so they send the lab invoices on your behalf if a client pays for their own labs. They help them get set up with a lab draw, navigate testing questions, and they provide the requisition forms. It's literally a dream. Go sign up for free to help streamline your practice and simplify ordering labs for your clients at rupahealth.com. That's R-U-P-A health.com. And let them know I sent you when you sign up.